This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of April 30th. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined on the podcast, uh, a special podcast devoted specifically to the Raptors' third consecutive uh, you know, trip to face the Cavaliers, is my Pound the Rock podcast co-host, Joe Wolfon. What's going on, man? Everyone, before we continue, please listen to the Pound the Rock. It's very important. Uh <laughs> Uh, if you if you care about me at all as a podcaster, as a maker of content, please just download that podcast. You you don't have to listen to it. I mean, you should. It's I think it's good. Don't be thirsty, Will. I, this is very thirsty. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a good podcast. I mean, me, Wolfon, and uh, Jessica Shar, we talk about the NBA, and it comes out every Monday. We're gonna have a podcast out in time for your commute home. Uh, you know, tomorrow. But for now, let's talk about the Raptors. Wolfon, your reaction to Game 7 of um, Cavaliers-Pacers, one in which ended in favor of the Cavaliers, obviously. Um, I thought it was a great game. Like, it was it was fun. It was entertaining. Um, I just continued to be impressed by the Pacers the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, like, three or four different points where I thought, okay, like, the game's done. You know, like, the Cavs had stretched the lead double digits. And it just kind of, like, seemed like one of those games where they were going to pull away and the Pacers were going to fold. And... To their immense credit, they didn't. Like, they just kept coming and coming and coming, um, and they really made the Cavs earn it. So props to them for just, like, a great, great season, uh, an unbelievable series that I think, like, really validated um, 
everything that they've done this year and uh, validated Oladipo, I think, was like a bona fide superstar. Um, I got a lot of respect for that team and obviously, you know, have a lot of respect for LeBron James. And that was what it came down to at the end of the day. Um, I mean, there are a few different things that we can talk about, uh, you know, in my, as far as what might carry over and what the Raptors might be able to learn and what they do differently and similarly. But, um, yeah, I mean, takeaways at the end of the day, I think the Pacers just played unbelievably hard. Um, for the most part, played really smart. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, you know, it's too bad that they couldn't win, I guess, because that would have been probably a more stress-free second round. Um, but even coming out of it, I think, like, I'm feeling, call it cautiously optimistic uh, about this series. You? Um, I mean, I look, I, I still... It's so hard with the Cavaliers because I'm of the mindset of like, you know, we've seen this story happen many times. I mean, look, the the we history here is not we great. We, okay, you're right. In many ways that we haven't seen it, but we also have seen it, and it's just hard to to like. It's just I gotta find my words here. But the Raptors, I want to first make sure I gotta see a couple things happen first. One, I gotta see the Raptors like not fold against LeBron and get overwhelmed by that moment, and you know. Credit to it, this doesn't really apply to Larry and DeRozan. Larry and DeRozan have played really well against the Cavaliers. Um, and I know there's like some quotes out there of like, you know, you know, DeRozan and, and, and Larry sounding kind of defeatist in previous years, like the decompressed thing and stuff like that. But like for the most part, if you go look at the numbers, they've been solid. So I'm not really worried about the stars. It's more the supporting cast that I felt like in previous years was just completely shook. Um, you know, you got you got a Bismack here, and maybe Cora Joseph was all right, but everyone else was just a complete nothing. Uh, and so, like, I, I don't, I just want to see the Raptors come in with an approach where it's similar to Indiana, right? Like, Indiana was completely fearless in attacking LeBron. Like, no one player on that Cavaliers te- or that that Pacers team was afraid of LeBron. And I feel like you really need to, you know, approach it with that kind of belief and that kind of mentality. Because you look at Oladipo, man. The man dunked on LeBron. He went through his legs on a pass. I mean, like, he just did everything possible to clown LeBron. Yeah. Lance Stevenson's literally a clown, and his sole purpose <laughs> in life is to troll LeBron. Uh, and, you know, say what you will about that dude, but at least in the context of this basketball game, he was uh, a useful contributor in annoying LeBron. And then you got even Bojan going right at LeBron and defending him pretty well, actually. Thaddeus Young showing no fear. Sabonis. I mean... If the Raptors can play with that type of energy, we have more talent than the Pacers, right? So, I don't know. That's that's probably where I'm at. But, I mean, I still got to see it. I still got to see it first. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. But, again, just to, like, go back to what I was saying before, like, we haven't really seen what we're about to see, I don't think, because we haven't seen uh, a LeBron team in the playoffs that has been this week, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen a Raptors team that's been this strong. We haven't seen a Raptors team that's going to be, like, you know, the more rested team coming in. Right. Um, and LeBron coming in just like being, like admitting to being totally gassed, which is kind of like not really part of his playbook typically. You know, you don't hear him saying stuff like that very often. Um, especially, you know, not just in terms of like transparency, but just as far as like having that kind of, um, warrior, warrior's mentality where like you, you just like really don't want to show any kind of weakness to your opponent. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, like whatever psychological warfare uh, you can use, like I feel like LeBron will use it, and, and, and that's why you don't typically like hear him talking about uh, like any kind of weakness, being tired, like um, being worried about his team, and like that. That's been like an ongoing theme all year. 
you know, like in years past, like when they would struggle in the regular season, he would be like, we're going to figure it out. We're going to be fine. And throughout the year this year, you heard stuff like, I don't know what is going to happen with this team. I don't know if we're good enough. Like, I don't know if we have enough pieces to win the East. Like, kind of got to wait and see. And now he's coming out after the first round being like, I'm burnt out. And I'm not thinking about Toronto. I'm just, like, thinking about getting home. Um, and so I just, like, think – and also, like, having home court advantage, I think, could mm-hmm. be, like, a big swing factor. Like, there's so, there's so much that's different about um, this matchup than what we've seen. And that's why I kind of – bristle at this idea that like man the Raptors are playoff chokers or like LeBron's their dad and like he's gonna stun <laughs> them again like he does every year and like uh-huh. like I get that I understand why that narrative is out there mm-hmm. um he has embarrassed the Raptors in the past but I just think that ignores a lot of context um yeah. namely that, that that like the Cavs in in the past couple of years when they played in the playoffs have been uh, the far superior team. And I just don't think that's the case this time around. So um, for for me this time, it's like, I don't know that um, that sort of the Cavs, like elevating their game to a particular level is, is like, I don't, I don't think that option is necessarily there for them to like vault past the rap, like what the Raptors are at their best. I think it's going to come down to whether or not the Raptors actually regress. Yeah. Right. And I think, if the first round is any indication, like the Raptors, I was very encouraged by the first round in terms of just looking back at it. Obviously, game four was very disappointing. The Raptors blowing that lead and, you know, whatever. They could have closed that series out in five games. But when you really look back on it, John Wall and Bradley Beal played great. Um, yeah, And absolutely. the Wizards didn't really have a supporting cast, really. But, like, the Raptors also did a really good job defending the supporting cast. I thought the one Casey made great decisions throughout that series. Um, in terms of managing his lineups. And also, like, the Raptors just, you know, a lot of those wins felt like regular season wins. Like, obviously, it was, like, mm-hmm. way more intense. But the style of game that was being played, especially in games one and two, really built that confidence of, like, this works. Like, if there's any mental hurdle in terms of the Raptors need to do something different in the playoffs, no, the Raptors just need to do the same thing they've been doing all year. And really, if you really look at the way the Raptors have played the season, um, a lot of it was designed with beating the Cavaliers in mind, right? And mm-hmm. if you look at things like the Raptors, um, you know, what was the number one reason the Raptors lost, um, you know, in 2016 and 2017 against the Cavaliers? Obviously LeBron, number one. But, like, beyond that, it was really the three-point shooting. And, yep. you know, it was kind of ridiculous. Last year, it was the, the Cavaliers outscored the Raptors 183-81 to 81 in three-point uh, points, like points on from the three point line. Yep. Like so, that's you know 102 surplus points, and the year before that it was 204 against 132. So it's a huge difference. But the Raptors this season have you know reshaped their defense. They allow the fewest opponent three point makes, um, you know, per game, and that was true in the regular season, and that was true against the the Wizards too. The Wizards only made eight threes a game. Um, whereas the Raptors, conversely, like they have increased their three-point attempts a lot. And while we know that they don't necessarily shoot well um, by percentage, they're not exceptional shooters, you know, they're fifth in makes. Uh, and the way they run that offense really does work. And in the first round, the Raptors actually shot quite nicely against the Wizards. So, like, you know, a lot of what the Raptors have done this season has just been to curb, um, you know, the, what their issues were against the Cavaliers. And, and hopefully it gets... Put into test, but I mean, going back to what you were saying about, you know, what people say about this team, the narrative around the Raptors, like this is, you know, this is their chance at legitimacy. Like, really, if the Raptors actually go past the Cavaliers, 
which I think there's even a decent chance of because the team the Raptors have is just better than Cleveland. It's just Cleveland has LeBron. Like, this is our chance for legitimacy as a franchise. And, you know, if people want to, like, laugh at us and, like, whatever, we lose the Sixers or whatever, we don't make it all the way to, like, the if we lose in the finals, whatever, like, you could say whatever you want at that point. But actually beating LeBron is an actual feather in your cap. Because, look, no Eastern Conference team has done it since 2010. Yep. Right? Like, Delonte West was, you know, doing his thing back then. Like He was yeah, he, he was the last Eastern Conference player to defeat LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> the slander um, starts now. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, no, I, oh, I, I agree, man. And I think that's why, like, you know, you, you saw some people saying, like, as much as, um, you know, the, the Pacers probably would have been a better matchup for the Raptors, uh, I think there were a lot of people who kind of felt like, they wanted this matchup because that is what you want, right? Like you want sure. a chance to legitimize, you know, yourself as a franchise. And, um, I don't know, man. I like for me, it's like, I just want to see this team make the finals and I don't really care how it happens. But at the same, same time, I do feel like if they beat the Cavs on the way there, then it will mean more, you know, like, right. like just slaying those demons from the past is like, I mean, it felt, fucking good to beat the Wizards, to be honest. It really like, did. It there really... were some scars there, and, like, I, I really, you know, I don't know, that stuff matters, so. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And I think in terms of the greatest upside, in terms of just your your reward emotionally as a fan, because realistically you're only going to get remote emotional reward, like, beating the Cavaliers would be that, and especially if the Raptors can somehow blaze past the Cavaliers. All right, let's, let's look at the series like this, okay? Um... I think offensive, we all agree the Raptors can score against the Cavs, yeah? Yeah. Right, like, the Cavaliers, like, you know, they like to say they're going to flip the switch or whatever, but they're flipping the switch defensively or their special defense is mostly just, we're going to double the ball handler. Right, yeah, we're, well, alright, let's talk about that, because, okay. so, that that's like been how they've defended the Raptors in the past, and they didn't really abandon that in the regular season, right? And it didn't work, because the Raptors we killed them. Um, shredded them. Yeah. And, um... They got up, like, I'm looking at these games they played, like, 42 threes in one game, 34 in the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, just giving up a ton of three-point attempts. Um, yeah. And most of those were, like, like of, of really high quality, like, open shots. And I wonder if they kind of look at that Wizards blueprint and say, we're not going to do that. Like, we're going we're gonna to switch. And... Like, they didn't do that at all against the Pacers because they couldn't really afford to. Like, if they were going to switch on Oladipo, they were going to get killed. And yeah. we've talked about this before. Like, the Raptors guards don't really do that, man. Like, they don't destroy switches. Like, they're, they're not, like, super explosive like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think, you know, Lowry occasionally can, like, dust a big guy off the bounce. Um, DeMar is more like you want to get him switched onto a smaller guy so he can go to work in the post. But... um the Wizards had a lot of success just switching, and, like, the Raptors' three-point attempts, like, after game two, pretty much, like, really started to decline pretty steeply. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if we'll if we'll just see the Cavs switch to, like, a more conservative approach and, and try and do the same thing. I mean, if I were Tyron Lue, that's what I would do. Um, but I think in terms of just familiarity, right, they only have – they played Sunday – like today while we're recording, they have Monday to travel and like maybe run through a bit of practice. If LeBron's tired, I wonder how much practice they're really going to run through. But 
if you only have that many days between games, I think they might try to stick with the same defensive scheme they won against Indiana. Because, like, you know, for the most part, they did pretty well against Indiana trapping. I know that it's a different opponent, but I just think with, in terms of the limited, like, practice time or whatever, they might just try to keep it simple and try to run the same thing. Because this is already a but team the, that's pretty weak defensively, right? Like, they were... Yeah. But the Wizards made that adjustment, like, mid-series, too, right? So That's true. You know, may, maybe they don't come out with it, but I feel like it's an adjustment that they might just kind of have in their back pocket. Right, right. But, I mean, I just think in terms of game one, I don't think they'll try to overload them too much. I think LeBron's going to no. really, like, take this opportunity to, like, feel out the team. And if the Raptors can actually get game one, if, if the Cavaliers aren't, you know, fully prepared, basically, to come play it, then that's going to be a huge factor in favor of the Raptors. But I think for the most part, like, offensively, the Raptors shouldn't have too much ministry score on this team. Um, and I'm not even just talking about half court. I'm just talking about, like, can the Raptors get out and run against this team? The Cavs are old. They're yep. really old, man. Like, their rotation includes six players 29 years um, of age or older. LeBron, 33. Kevin Love's 29. George Hill's 31. JR's 32. Kyle Corver is 37. Jeff Green is 31. Like, even Jose Calderon, if you want to include him, 36 years old. So, like, this is a really, really old team. They don't want to play fast. In the in the Pacers series, they actually slowed the pace um, tremendously. Uh, and, you know... The Cavaliers weren't necessarily efficient offensively, but I think that pace kind of worked well for LeBron in terms of just managing his workload because he did look pretty tired and he said so afterwards. So, I, but I mean, I think the Raptors can push the pace against the, the Cavaliers. I think the Raptors um, obviously are more athletic, and the Cavs aren't going to turn the ball over much because the ball is going to be in LeBron's hands all the time. But also, if LeBron's really tired, he's really going to try to force those Chris like cross court passes to the corners, and the Raptors can just like intercept a couple of them per game. That's an easy point the other way. So I think, like, for the most part, on the whole, the Raptors shouldn't have too much issue scoring against the Kepler's. What do you think? Just like... I to- Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, like, um, that's where I think that the, the bench is going to be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, they Like, that's the unit that um, really does push the pace. And yeah. in that in that game, when the Raps, like, totally throttled the Cavs um, in, like, January or whenever that game happened... Um, yeah, and... Uh, the unit that blew that game open was like that bench group. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did it by just like running off of misses and like they murdered the Cavs in the open floor. Right. Um, and Siakam has had like a bunch of really good games against the Cavs. Um, Van Vliet has been unbelievable against the Cavs. Like DeLon, like these are people who I think are going to have an opportunity to, um, like do a lot of damage just because they're fast. Um, they're bouncy, they're athletic, they got good instincts. And mm-hmm. those are guys who like create turnovers and, start fast breaks going the other way um so i think that's going to be really important and like we saw in that wizard series like how beneficial it can be to have depth in the playoffs i know people like to talk about how much it doesn't matter and um i really think that it did matter in that series and like we were watching uh game six together and the raps have been trailing for pretty much all of that game and um you were saying the whole time it's like they're wall and beal are gonna get burned out in the fourth quarter and that was exactly what happened yeah Lowry and DeRozan played like, you know, 32, 33 minutes in that game. Wall and Beal were at over 40 each. And in the fourth quarter, those guys were dead and Lowry was grabbing every single loose ball. Yeah. And even um, guys like Gortat, man, like JV was, was getting all those offensive rebounds and like Markeith had exhausted himself. Like, yeah, the, the depth thing is really real, especially it's not even necessarily just depth in terms of number of players. It's also just like how fresh the Raptors players are. Cause like you look at LeBron. And I, maybe we're talking this LeBron, you know, exhaustion thing to death because, like, you know, um, as soon as LeBron has a good game and they win, we're not going to talk about it. But 
He played. Well, first off, the man's 33 years old. He's in his 15th season. All right, this is just like the the, the party line for LeBron's year. What a fun year! He's he's 33. Yeah. Um, but he's coming off seven straight finals appearances. Now, that's like an extra full season of playoff, just games, like a regular season worth of playoff games. Except playoff games are crazy intense. Um, he also played 82 games for the first time in his career. Um, he led the minutes. He led the league in minutes um, per game for the, a second straight season. Um, there has been no Kyrie Irving to help him carry the load offensively, and they've changed the roster a lot. So LeBron's had to play extra. They've had to um, actually run more practice as well just to get these new guys, you know, acclimated. That's a lot of factors working against LeBron. Um, and, you know, if we look at the rest of the factors around, like, this series, like, most of them favor the Raptors. Um, you know, the resting, obviously, like, you know, the Raptors having a little bit more rest. It's more just like the Cavaliers not having a whole week to just chill and wait on the Raptors to finally get past the first round. Um, but, I mean, like, you look at the rest of this roster, like, a lot of them are also beat up. Whereas you look at the Raptors roster, they're fresher. You look at Kyle Lowry, he's had one of his best playoff series, if not the best one, um, in, in the first one, in, in the Wizards series. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that because Van Lee bought him so much time in the regular season that he could just perform. Also, he's now healthy in the playoffs. That's, you know, never really quite happened. DeMar? DeMar doesn't really get tired because he doesn't play defense. But, I mean, whatever. DeMar is just, he's fresh. Yeah, he's like LeBron that way. Yeah. And, like, we also have a little bit more depth. And so, like, the minutes that players play, they can give more into those minutes. And then the specific case I'm thinking about is JB. Like, on a per-minute basis, he's more productive than ever because he knows I'm going to play 20, 25 minutes. There's going to be Pirtle behind me. There's going to be a Baca behind me, whatever. Um, but, you know, he can give it is all in those extra little bit of minutes. And so, look, the, the Raptors have a lot of advantages. I think the the real crux of this series comes down to defensively. How do the Raptors defend um, the Cavaliers? And obviously that starts with LeBron. So, Wolfon, who are you putting on LeBron? Um, I mean, you you start with OG. I think that's pretty obvious, right? Right. Like, um, that's the guy with the physical profile to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um they don't really have anyone else with the physical profile to do it. Um, you have, like, I think from there, um, you're taking something off the table with anything that you throw at him. Right. With Siakam, you have the speed, right? But you don't have the strength. So if LeBron wants to take Siakam into the post, it's like that's pretty much going to be an automatic double or it's going to be a bucket. Is it, though? I mean, I don't know. That, that's sort of my feeling about it, it. Like, I think, I, I think Siakam... It, it, this, this is where it will come down to LeBron, right, and how much energy he has. Because, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because if, if, like, he's catching the ball in the wing and Siakam's in front of him, like, you know how how fast he moves his feet? Like, he's really, like, he's got great hands and he's so, like, hyperactive. It's like, is LeBron going to see that and be like, man, you know, <laughs> just, like, like pass it off or, like, settle for a jump shot? Like, we've seen that happen. We saw that happen a bunch um, in that, like, crazy 132-129 game uh, <sighs> these two teams played. Um, when Siakam, I thought, like, did a pretty decent job on LeBron one-on-one, and a, a lot of it came down to LeBron just kind of bailing out of possession because he didn't want to deal with it, but um, if he if he has the energy to be like, alright, I'm going to take this guy into the post, then I think, you know, you could run into some problems from there, but, like, um, o- OG is where you start. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Siakam is your kind of plan B, and from there, it's just like a series of bad options, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you kind of find a way to do it by committee, I think, uh, which is what the Pacers did, right? Like mm-hmm. you, they were like front him really aggressively 
in the post um, and just be ready to like bring that um, help defend- defender from the weak side um, if they tried to pass it over the top. And they trusted in their ability to like help and recover. And they were able to do that because they're like a really fast team. Um, right. And their help and recover stuff defensively was great. So. Yeah, and I think the Raptors are similar um, in terms of just having athleticism. I agree with you. Like, I have a little bit more confidence in Siakam. Like, if he wants to, if LeBron wants to back down Siakam, that's fine with me. Like, a post-up possession is just not that efficient in terms of offense. And, like, you know, whatever. All those trends don't necessarily apply to LeBron. But, like, posting up just takes a lot of energy. <laughs> like, it just really takes a lot of energy. There's a lot that goes into posting up, like, post-ups. Like, someone's got to feed LeBron the ball. LeBron's got to get inside post position. He's got to hold it. Siakam is, you know, very athletic, uh, very long. He's a little bit longer than LeBron. Like, you know, there's going to be a couple things. I think, yeah, if, if he gets close enough to the rim, I think depending on who the who the um, the Cavaliers center is, like the Raptors can bring help as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, man. I, I, so it's OG and Siakam, and then beyond that, we don't really have a good option. Obviously, CJ is not going to play defense, and DeMar yeah. is not going to play defense. Uh, and Norm. Norm hopefully doesn't see the floor, uh, and if he does, we we'll just have to pray. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean if if, if we have Norm on LeBron at some point, you can probably trust that things aren't going uh, exactly the plan. Yeah, that better be like a Dante Jones situation if if, if, <laughs> if Norm is on LeBron. I will pay Norm. Well, I should know Norm's pro rated contract is actually a lot of money, so I can't pay him, but. Uh, you know, maybe Lorenzo Brown gets there and, you know, like, uses his big head and headbutts LeBron one time. Just something, man. I mean, you got to make LeBron bleed like <laughs> the Pacers did. So, okay, okay. True. So, in terms of, like, if we take a step back then defensively, are you of the approach that we the Raptors should try to focus on taking away everyone else and letting LeBron get his 40 points? Or are you sort of tr- on the – or are you somewhere in between of, like, look, obviously – you don't want to leave their shooters open, but at the same time, you can't let LeBron go to the rim all the time. That's not realistic. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be somewhere in the middle, right? I don't think you want to sell out too hard one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would definitely come out with a more conservative approach and just try and like play one-on-one as best as you can. Mm-hmm. And we've seen OG do that, like, to pretty decent effect you know like nobody's going to be super effective guarding lebron one-on-one like that just that player doesn't exist well, what about Bojan? outside of like <laughs> outside of like peak Kawhi leonard and Boyan, like to his credit did a, a good job and like uh-huh. look lebron still averaged like 35 and 10 and 8 in that series right like yeah he's still he's still eight he's still <laughs> he still won them that series pretty much single-handedly like i think Boyan did about as good a job as he could possibly do um, just kind of like, you know, doing a good enough job sliding his feet and staying in front and like not giving him like easy pass to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think OG's like more than capable of that, man. And he has the strength, um, and he has the wingspan to, um, I-, I think just like give the rest of the Raps defenders like a chance to stay home on shooters. What, what will start to worry me is like if they start doing funkier stuff with LeBron like off the ball. Cause when they start using him as a screener, it's like the, that that's when stuff gets really messed up. And uh in in that third game, um, when the Cavs like really just dusted the raps, um and uh they like they got started in that game just by using LeBron as a screener for Calderon and, and the raps like had no answer for it at all. Don't even talk um, about Jose Calderon right now. <laughs> and um That's already so stressful, man. 
Yeah, I know, and it will be, man. Like you know, like him running two man action with Corver, uh, is it, like so hard to guard. Like, what do you do in that situation when when they're running like dribble handoff or when LeBron's screening for Corver, mm. um, or vice versa? It's like uh, that. That's something like I think the, like the Cavs could do more of, and they're really effective when they do this. Is like yeah, they use a little guy to screen, and then like suddenly LeBron's going downhill with like you know Fred, Fred VanVleet in front of him, and it's mm-hmm. like uh, all right, then you're kind of boned. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's when you, you know, somebody has to come and help at the rim, and that's when uh, those three point shots are going to open up. So, um, obviously, I think, you know, the goal is going to be to try and just play one on one, like, as best as you can. And then, uh, you know, you're probably going to have to make some adjustments along the way, depending on what the Cavs do and depending on basically how LeBron's playing. Does he have that look in his eye? Like, does he have enough left in his legs to just do it all himself? Because um, based yeah. on what we saw in the first round, he's going to have to. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one thing the like I think the look the the Pacers did obviously a lot of good things, right? I mean they took them to seven games. They actually outscored them in the series by forty points, which is I feel so bad for them. But I mean, um, I think there's a lot you could take away from what the Pacers did, and I think the Pacers is overall did a really good job of just going under on LeBron, cutting off the lane. And I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, this is not a new thing against LeBron. This is pretty much what people have been doing to LeBron since he was a rookie, probably before that in high school and stuff. But, like, you know, you try to cut off the paint as much as possible on his drives. You live with him taking a couple of jumpers. And this is the thing. LeBron is actually shooting pretty well, like, on jumpers. Like, he's he's made um, – what has he made? He's hit 35% of his threes. Obviously, he had that game winner as well. And he's gotten to the free throw line a lot. But, I mean, it's just that in-between area. If the Raptors can sort of negotiate the in-between area. And, you know, it's kind of similar to the John Wall thing, right? The Raptors went underneath on John Wall. He had a couple mid-range jumpers. But so long as they can get some contact on him before he got to the rim and then maybe send a second guy when he's already very committed to the shot, then that's probably your best bet. And I think, you know, one area the the, the, the Pacers succeeded in was they were able to stay at home on their shooters a lot. And... You know, this is where I tell you that the Cavaliers shooters all basically shot really, really terribly on open yeah. looks, and that's a huge part in why the, the the Pacers were able to be in this series. But also, LeBron had an assist percentage of five percent on his um, drives, so he dropped to the rim eighteen point five times, eighteen point five times per game, and he only got an assist on five percent of those possessions. Now, if he if the Raptors can have that kind of success from him, nice. that would be great because. So much of what LeBron does is he drives, he collapses, he kicks out, you're boned. Right? right. But um, you know, he wasn't able to do that in that in that in that Pacers series. And I think a lot of that just came down to initial um, you know, rim defense against LeBron on those possessions. But um past like, if we look just look past LeBron, right? Like if you solve LeBron, I, honestly the series is already done. If LeBron can't like get if LeBron can't either get like forty points efficiently or like fifteen assists it's already done. Um, the next biggest problem, I think, is Kevin Love, which we can all agree on. But Kevin Love is not fully right right now. How much of that do you buy, first off? And then second of all, like, what do we do against Kevin Love? Um, yeah, that's tricky. Like, fully healthy Kevin Love is like poses just all kind of matchup problems for the Raps, but he definitely doesn't look super right. Um, and I got to buy into it a little bit, man, because... Uh, he just like wasn't making an impact. He was like his shot looked way off. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't really 
making an impact in the post. Um, yeah, his his touch around the rim was really poor. Yeah, really, really poor. Like, he, you know, and that's usually a huge area of strength for him. And, like, mm-hmm. even, like, offensive rebounding, like, he just, I don't know. But, like, he averaged 11 seemed points a, a game off there. on 33% yeah. shooting. And, like, yeah, we, we this is where we acknowledge that he's got that thumb injury on his left hand. But. Yeah, I mean, and so who knows, right? Like, maybe maybe it's nothing, and, and he just comes into this rap series and it was normal Kevin Love. Like, I, I could totally see that happening, you know? And, like, yeah. As I, I really tweeted today, that. like, the you know, the thing that terrifies me and probably terrifies a lot of Raps fans is the, the possibility of just, like, all these Cavs role players suddenly regressing to the mean at the same time against the Raps. And then, like, suddenly they're all hitting their open threes, and then it's a totally different story. Of course. Um, with Love, if he's not if he's not knocking down those threes, like, if he's not making an impact, I feel like, like that's going to really make it easier for the Raps to keep JV on the floor for one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, if, if they're running with love at center and like, you don't necessarily have to yank JV off the floor. I mean, you wrote about this today in, in your yeah. piece. Um, the, the fear with that is like, yeah, Jonas is going to be able to score, uh, on Kevin love if that's the five, five matchup. Um, but then, you know, you got to worry about trading twos for threes, but maybe you don't have to worry about it that much. If, if Kevin Love is not like 100%, if his hand is messed up, if his jump shot is messed up, um, maybe that tilts the balance in favor of JV and in favor of the Raps. Yeah, and the thing where I'm at with JV in this is just like, what's going to give you the best possible upside, right? And especially early in the series, I, I want the Raptors to sort of knock off like what's what might work the best and then sort of move down the line in terms of your alternatives. I think that's how you should approach any playoff series. Um, and, you know, as much as I've doubted JV, and especially I've doubted JV against the Kevin Love matchup, and for good reason, Kevin Love has just burned JV. I mean, Kevin Love has burned a lot of Raptors. He's especially burned JV, especially when he goes to the five. But with Kevin Love performing the way he is, man, like, JV brings you a lot of things on the floor. The Raptors rebounding is infinitely better with JV on the floor. The pick and roll game we saw in the, in the Wizards series, night and day in terms of whether or not JV was in the game to actually finish the roles and stuff like that. Um, and we know JV can score against Love. There's a proven track record of that. It's just like, you know, you don't want to post him up and stuff because Love is actually pretty solid. Like, he just holds his position really well. He's, you know, deceptively strong for someone who's so skinny nowadays. But yeah. he's still got some of that, like, old post-player strength. Um, you know, but in pick and roll, like, Kevin Love is also weakness. And, you know, you're only scoring twos with JV, whereas you're scoring threes with Love. But... If you can even swing that a little bit and force the Cavaliers to put a you know a, a big on the floor, to put Tristan on the floor, to put Larry Nance on the floor, I think that's probably your best bet in terms of solving the Love at Five thing. Because even if you go to Ibaka, right? Like, how much faith do you have in Ibaka at this point? Where is he going to give you something consistent offensively? And like the answer is just kind of no, right? Like the the in the Wizards series, at least the Wizards really respected Ibaka and they didn't leave him at all. Mm-hmm. And so he was he was stretching the floor. The Cavaliers have never really guarded Ibaka like that, and especially with Ibaka as cold as he was, you know, with more turnovers and field goals in the last four games of the Wizards series, I just don't see that much upside in going um, and guarding Love, quote unquote, with Ibaka uh, while he doesn't give you much offensively. And that's why I think JV is probably their best matchup there. At least that's yeah. what you try first, and then you move on. You know? Yeah. So for, okay, like to your earlier point, I, I totally agree about like the post ups. They're 
they're most effective when they're using JV as a screener. Like, that's the best way to get him involved in the offense. That opens up the offense for everybody else. And I I vastly prefer that to when they try to establish him in the post. Yeah, um, I think they've done less of that, too. I think J, I think a lot of those post-ups were just for JV's confidence, and JV just yeah. feels a lot better about life now, and especially his life within the team. So he's like, you know, I don't need that. I'm good. Yeah. I know you guys trust me. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, look, I, I still think there is upside there with Ibaka at the five. Those lineups mm-hmm. were very successful this year, and um, I, I mean, I still gotta have faith that he's, you know, gonna show up for at least, you know, three or four games of this series. I think at this point, that's all you can ask, just given how inconsistent he's been. Um, but I don't know, man. I like the Raptors have just so much flexibility. I wonder if we we would even see them like get nuts and go like Siakam at the five if if the Cavs have love at the five. Okay, but here's my, here's my thing with downsizing. Like, usually I'm all for downsizing, um, but I think downsizing actually really plays into the Cavaliers' hands because, like, they just don't have good bigs outside of love. Um, right. Tristan has moments, and, like, Tristan can be a good big. It's really dependent on how much energy he can bring and who's out there to neutralize him. But, like, you know, he can possibly be a plus. But pretty much just Kevin Love. And in the first round, Kevin Love wasn't even a plus. He was a negative. Like, he just wasn't good. Um, But, I mean, like, if they go small, like, it's actually an issue because LeBron now has less rim protection to go against. Um, And LeBron can kind of, you know, play a little bit more bully ball. And the Cavaliers actually have some decent wings that, you know, you know, again, they weren't good in the first round, but maybe Rodney Hood shoots more than 16% from three. Yeah. 16%. Jordan Clarkson's Jordan Clarkson, 14%. 14%. Jordan Clarkson's just bad, but like, oh man. Even George Hill. Like, I'm, George Hill, can you please get injured again? Like, can you just please sneeze and like miss two more games? Like, this man, any excuse to miss time from work, man. Yeah. George Hill um, used up all his sick days. That dude shot 10 of 11 uh, in that game against Raps, man. damn it, man. It was crossing Um, up Ibaka, too. That was a bad game for Ibaka. Yeah, horrible. Oof. Um, Yeah, no, those are good points. And I think there's something to be said for, like, trying to make the other team adjust rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, like being proactive rather than reactive. I like that. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm curious to see, actually. Like, do you think they'll start Tristan? Yeah. um, or, do you, or do you think they'll start with Love at the Five? I think they'll traditionally start at Tristan. So I think they'll they'll stick with that formula a little bit. And I think also, like, it's like a confidence move for Ty Lue. I think he wants to bring Tristan back into the fold because Nance has also quietly given them very little. Nance mm-hmm. was a minus 44 in the, in the Wizards, in the, in the Pacers series. Yeah. So I think, you know, they might actually want to bring Tristan back into the fold a little bit. And Tristan had some pretty solid moments in Game 7. He was incredible. Like yeah. I was, I was amazed. Like where, I don't, I don't know where that came from. Um, I mean, he's he, still a capable player, and he's pretty confident in terms of being in the playoffs, and he's good positionally. Yeah. He's like a, he's like a, he's like Amir Johnson at this point. I guess, but I, I wasn't even like it wasn't even just the results that kind of dropped my jaw. I was like, he was just moving around so much more fluidly than I'd seen him move in like That's true. months. That's true. Um, so I guess. You know, maybe the fact that he'd just been chilling on the bench for as long as he had uh, gave him a little extra burst. But like that block that he got up for was like, or mm-hmm. or even like the putback dunk that didn't count because it was late. I was like, holy shit, man! Uh, where has this guy been, and why is he emerging just in time to <laughs> destroy the Raptors? <laughs> um, yeah, 
But you know what though? That, I think that's good though that they if they play Tristan. Like I, as much as I, I think Tristan can definitely make an impact, and we've seen it against the Raptors. Tristan has had mm-hmm. games where he shot like six or seven for fourteen points. Um, but I mean, still, I just think that he allows Valanciunas to be on the floor, like completely free of circumstance. And in fact, there's an actual reason to have Valanciunas on the floor because Tristan is such a good offensive rebounder. Yeah. Um. And I think that, again, helps the Raptors. I just think that so much of the Raptors' offense this year has gone through JV that it just doesn't quite work the same without him on there. And, like, it makes a lot of sense. He's a good finisher. He's a good offensive rebounder. And, you know, even his passing has gotten a lot better. And we've seen the Raptors trust JV's passing in the Wizards series. I mean, he had two really bad turnovers, but he also had a lot of nice assists, finding, finding like, you know, Lowry cutting towards the rim or... You know, mostly just Lowry cutting towards the rim, but I mean, still, like that's that's still some type of offense where you can generate off of JV. Um, before we go to, there's a lot of listener questions, and I feel like we can cover a lot of different topics through that. Um, cool. Before we go through that, um, this is a very generic question, but I don't think who do you think is the one player that swings this thing the most, like the X factor, um, from either side, really. So. I mean, then I, like I presumably I have to pick somebody who's not like one of the top two guys for either team. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Because obviously, like those guys, like you know, what what like Demar and Kyle and like um, LeBron and Kevin Love do is like take you take for granted that, that like what those guys do is going to swing the outcome of the series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Not really, not really X factors. Um, yeah. So I don't know, man. To me, to me, it probably is JV. Um, and not just for like you know can you stay on the floor defensively, um, and and like you know is he going to be able to hurt the Cavs and pick and roll? Um, also, just like I, I think, assuming that the Cavs do stick with that trapping defense, like they're really going to need him, I think, to like make good decisions in the four on three. Right, right. And and if I had to pick out like one thing um, aside from just like LeBron being LeBron, I was like why the Pacers didn't win that game seven. It was because they did not like make the Cavs pay at all um for trapping Oladipo like they they were not quick enough in the four on three and like the Cavs were able to just like reset and the Pacers couldn't get anything going really in the half court um and and I thought they were just like so much more effective when they just let Oladipo go one-on-one um yeah for sure and 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 like I said before like the Raptors don't really have that luxury so it is going to be a lot of pick and roll it probably is going to be a lot of trapping and you know whether it's like they short it or you know um, managed to make that pocket pass to Jonas and he's got to make a decision, you know, to go to the rim, to pass it to the corner. Like he's gotten so much better at doing that this year. And like, this is going to be the big test for him, I think. So. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to really force the Cavaliers into a decision. Like JV's actually gotten pretty good at, if he catches the ball on the middle floor, taking one or two dribbles and finishing. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing. And so like that little push to... shot is like so money. Yeah. It's crazy. And I just think he's just gotten better at like, knowing how to finish from that position. Before, it wasn't really, like, intuitive for him to, like, make a quick move. And, like, now he has it now um, in terms of his timing and stuff. But also, I just think that, like, you know, once he can actually score like that, like, you need to send a third guy to bump him on the roll. Like, you can't yeah. just try to rotate and meet him at the rim because he's going to finish over you at that point. You really need to swing come early. And if you do come early at that point, then it's a three-on-two, and there's definitely a shooter open. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. I think... For me, the swing guy is George Hill. I, George George Hill is really, really dangerous. Um, I mean, and I'm not just saying that because George Hill like locked down Kyle Lowry in the 2016 playoffs. 
Um, although that's obviously a part of it. But it's just like George Hill is there's there's more levels to George Hill than there are for a lot of the like the the, the Cavaliers supporting cast, right? Like. Rodney Hood's shook. Like, Jordan Clarkson, he gets hot, whatever. That's not going to consistently happen. Larry Nance, you know, is just energetic, whatever. He's like a Spryer, Tristan Thompson kind of. J.R. Smith, you know, he hits a shot, but we all know what J.R. is. Jeff Green's low ceiling as well. George Hill is a little bit dangerous in the fact that, like, when he really decides to be aggressive, and he's a very passive player sort of by nature, but when he, when he decides to get aggressive, he's a pretty good player. Um, and he plays a pretty nice two-man game with LeBron. It's just, yeah. you know, it, when George Hill is, like, this one of those games where he just decides, I don't care, I'll come in and score three points. Like, okay, then he's bad. But, you know, in the, in the, in, in the, um, in the Pacers series, I mean, you know, he averaged 15 points. It was respectable. Uh, he shot 52% from the field. Obviously, we remember that George Hill 10 of 11 game. But I just think George Hill has the defensive chops to really be on the floor. And if he can really be engaged mentally, which I just don't think he's that focused on a lot of these games. He doesn't, you know, he's not the player where you go like, wow, he's playing his heart out. But when he has those moments, he's legitimately dangerous. And if the Cavaliers get a third guy on offense, um, they're definitely going to win. Because LeBron's already, like, one one and a half guys at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know. Chances are pretty good that on any given day, Love, Corver, or Jr. is going to be hot from three. And so if they get a third guy to join them, it's it's just impossible to beat them. And I feel like George Hill can, over the course of a series, um, be that third guy. So, yeah, I mean, he might just be too physically compromised to do it, though. I, that's <laughs> what I'm hoping. Like, not in like the sixth sense of like I want him to be like injured or whatever. I'm yeah. just hoping that he's not like fully physically capable to play all these games, which he's already missed three games. You know. It is what it is. We're going to take a quick break, actually. Um, and on the other side, we'll come back with our questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Still here with Wolf on. We're about to take your Twitter questions. There are many Twitter questions. There are 38 of them, um, and I appreciate the enthusiasm, but it is like 1.20 a.m., and I'm trying to go to sleep, and I'm sure Wolf on is as well. So we're going to breeze through a couple of these. The first one I like, this one from Hans Wolf. Crazy stat. The Raptors have lost 10 of their last 11 games in Cleveland. What is it about that place that makes this team look so frail? Um... <laughs> I don't know, but I I would just like to point out the fact that that one win was when Lou Williams Lou just like absolutely absolutely torched Will Cherry, um, and I have like very fond memories of that game. That was like LeBron's first year back in Cleveland, um, and the Raps started that season like twelve and two or thirteen and two or something. Yeah, um, that was the the Bruno game was that, that was like a week before that. I think it was like a day before that. It was a day before. Okay, yeah. So they were never going to lose that game. We it had was like that. It was that same weekend. Like, I remember it was either, like, a day or two days apart. But um, they dummied the Bucks by, like, 40. And then in that Cavs game, like, the Cavs have been struggling out of the gate when, right. when LeBron came back. Yeah. And But it but it looked like they were, like, starting to come out of it. And, that, and, like, the start of that game, they were up, like, 26 to 8 or something in the first quarter. Yeah, Lou Williams had something nuts, like, 23 in the first half. Yeah, he ended up with, like, 38 or something in that game. He won player of the week that week. Um, and, and, like, he just totally went off. It was insane. And the Raps ended up winning by 20. So um, it was, like, a 40-point swing from, like, the, the like the you know, the first quarter till the end of the game. Um, but I don't know, man. I, like, 
the simplest answer is that they've just been like the Cavs have just been a really good team throughout that time, and really good teams tend to win a lot of games on their home floor. Um, yeah, and the Raps have definitely had their chances. Like that, obviously, the best one being this year when they were up by 15 at half, dropped 79 in the first half, uh, and just couldn't close it out, mainly because the Cavs got insanely hot uh, from a three-point range. And LeBron was nuts and had, like, 17 assists and no turnovers. But, um, man, I, I don't know. I guess just, like, bad memories being in that building, you know, maybe maybe bad thoughts start to creep in. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the Cavs building is actually pretty good in terms of their fan base getting into it, like, you know. Yeah, they show up. Yeah, I mean, look, we've seen them. They, they've, they've beaten the Warriors in game six of that comeback, like, you know, on their home floor. And, yeah, part of that was Stephen Curry, like, you know, fouling out for the first time in his career. Um, but, like, you know, this is <laughs> the Cavs are a very capable team, especially at home. They got a lot of confidence from that. Obviously, the rap, if the supporting players, like, actually show up around LeBron, they're very good. And you just have to have a mental toughness about um you know the way you play, kind of like the the um, the Pacers did. You know, like when you get down ten, you have to really gather your thoughts and like come back at the Cavaliers. And I think in previous seasons, and maybe this still applies to the Raptors, but in previous seasons, the Raptors just did not take that well. You know, like it's thirteen four. Matt Devlin is saying they need this in game in, in the first quarter of game one. <laughs> yeah. Damari Carroll's breaking shots and LeBron's dunking on him. They call timeout. Oh They're God. like, how do we respond? They don't really respond well in those <laughs> scenarios. They kind of get shell-shocked, and I feel like a lot of those games follow that pattern uh, in Cleveland. All right, next one from Angel. Is LeBron going to use vibranium in this series or what? If vibranium is uh, uh, that... that um, <clears throat> That uh, special one million dollars that he spends on his body every single season, then yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 made of the stuff. Sure. Yeah. From from what it looks like. Well, yeah, we um, need to we need to strip it away from him. We need to like burn like the leaves. Like uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's a spoiler alert now, but whatever. Yeah. All right. Um. Next one is okay. I'm gonna skip that one. I'm gonna skip this one too. Is Trevor Ambley the best player in the series? Yes or no? I mean, come on, man. Obviously. <laughs> For sure. He's going to have the highest RPM of the series, for sure. Okay, from XG, um, Raptor squad has the advantage of in-depth. We all know that. What else? What else do, do we have an advantage in? Um, I think playmaking from, like, the secondary and tertiary guys. Okay. Um, I think, you know, outside of LeBron and, you know, Kevin Love can still playmake, obviously. Um but not really off the dribble. They just don't give him the ball much, man. For well, him to do it, you know? Yeah. Like, there's, I mean, there's got to be really... off-ball movement and stuff. And, like, a lot That's... of when he built that reputation yeah. in Minnesota, that was a very free-flowing, uh, not free-flowing, a very structured offense where there was a lot of reads and stuff. Yeah. This offense, the Cavs don't move. I know, but I think, I don't know, man. To me, it, it's just a big part of that is the fact that, like, they don't have guys who are super comfortable with the ball in their hands. Like, That's so true. many of them are just catch-and-shoot guys. Yeah. And And, like, who's really, like confident putting the ball on the floor and like they, they they got no secondary creators you know what i'm saying like yeah they, they just don't um and obviously like that's where they really miss having Kyrie and like lebron spending so much more time with the ball in his hands he can't really take possessions off mm-hmm. because they ultimately like rely on him to just bail possessions out and like so often the ball will just find its way back to him even if he gives it up because there's not really that many other guys who can make something happen off the bounce so 
Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd say that's a pretty big advantage. True. I also say, like, come on, man. The Raptors have a big advantage of guard. Yeah. We got, we got, we got Lauren DeRozan. They got, I don't even know who that, J.R. Smith. Like, come on. That's, that, that's an advantage. Um, next one from Seriously Concerned. How many points per game can we just chalk up for bad ref bias calls? Until the Raptors not, start each game minus seven. You know what? I'm not going there. Yeah, we don't need to go there at all. But it is really funny to see Cavaliers get some calls in these games. It's just like everyone getting mad at them because like when you're already LeBron, when you already have so many advantages working in your favor, um, on the basketball court, you just don't need, <laughs> you just don't need to flop and get a foul call against Bojan Bogdanovic when you've been pushing him around the other end. It's kind of just okay. really disgusting to watch, man. I mean, I know every single person flops and he's as entitled to flopping as anyone else. But sure. when it comes from LeBron, you're just like, stop it. Don't do that. Yeah, man. I know. It's like Shaq well, People are going to say that, but like if, if he can flop and get a call, like why wouldn't he, man? That's just basic yeah. gamesmanship. And I know. I'm, I'm like, honestly, like I'm already exhausted just thinking about like the, the kind of like takes that I'm going to see about the refereeing in this series. It's you know, not. Jack Armstrong uh, is going to like leave the desk <sighs> and confront LeBron physically. Man, I, I, if, if, I like, honestly, I hate, I, yeah. For sure, I, I hate when him and Matt like stoke up um, this like anti-ref <laughs> uh, sentiment. Like, I just don't think it's founded. Um, and there are going to be bad calls that go both ways in the series. Um, the refing hasn't been that great in the playoffs, uh, and there are going to be some calls that go against the Raps that are going to piss people off. But like, to try and tie it into some like NBA agenda or something. Look, LeBron's like a really hard player to ref. Because he's huge and he's insanely fast, um, and you could technically and, call foul every single time. Yeah, that's you the can't thing, guard right? him otherwise. Like, yeah, so it's really hard to ref a player like that, and um, maybe he gets the benefit of the doubt more than the average player would. I mean, he definitely, he definitely does, does but, yeah. But he also takes more contact than almost anybody. So yeah, look, bad calls happen. They mostly even out in the end, and yeah, I just don't want to go there with like. Uh, with like uh, pro Cavaliers refereeing bias, so yeah. Look, it's a fact of life that there's not necessarily an un- there's not necessarily an even playing field for everybody, right? If you're if you're riding on a bicycle, you might be envious of who's taking the bus. If you're taking the bus, you might be envious of who's riding in that you know just Toyota Corolla. Nobody builds five G like Verizon builds five G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with five G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.